Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Medcalf. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode 14. Hey, everyone, you're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf. Hello, welcome to the podcast. As always, very happy you're here today choosing to be with me. I know you have a lot of choices out there, maybe too many choices, So, and today will help with that. <laughs> but yeah, I do, do know you have a lot of choices to make, and really just thrilled that you're here with me. I think I have the best tribe in the world um, Really love all of your comments and uh, emails, everything else. As you know, I always get back to you. Really just appreciate uh, everything I hear. And definitely when I hear constructive criticism too, it's great. Uh, Everyone's very kind with it, which I appreciate. No one likes to hear yucky feedback. Um, And uh, But I do actually love feedback because it really helps me get the information you want to hear. It's very nice for me to just sit here and chat to myself, but uh, it's supposed to be helpful and really helpful to you. And so when I get emails and people coming in with, you know, hey, how about talking about this? Or I didn't like that. And here's why. Or you spoke too fast. Could you slow it down or whatever? It just really helps. So thank you all for your, uh, you know, getting in there with me and hanging in there and giving me feedback. Okay. So today is Great, great show, great show. We're going to talk about the five-step process to making decisions and getting out of analysis paralysis. And this, I did create this because of some feedback I got from listeners um, and viewers to my videos who, you know, I I talk a lot about making, uh, not just making decisions, sorry, but uh, having goals and creating goals and achieving goals. And one of the, uh, some of the feedback I got was from some people saying, Hey, you know, achieving goals is great, but I can't even make that first step. I end up where I can't even decide on the goal because I'm so worried I'm going to make the wrong decision that I make no decision. So today's podcast is for you. If you're one of those folks who finds yourself often getting 
really in trouble when you're making decisions. So you either, again, don't make one at all, or you make it and you're worrying the whole time that you've made the wrong one. And so, you know, feeling upset about that. So we're going to talk about that. And then, as you know, I always make things... I always break them down. That's my job. You know, make it into some sort of system that you can actually follow so you can get out of that analysis paralysis where you're just going back and forth, back and forth, thinking about how to do stuff, but not actually doing it. So, you know, decisions, decisions, they're everywhere, right? They're, they're, you can't, (laughs) you're making them all the time. When you were a child, you made about 3,000 decisions per day. So kids make about 3,000 decisions a day. You know, should I hit my brother? Should I cry to avoid putting on my shoes? I wonder if they'll notice if I take that last French fry. You know, these, these, are, these are the decisions that children make all day. And as you might expect, those decisions ramp up considerably. They go into overdrive as you hit adulthood. And it is said, there's, there's a lot of different kind of research and things said about this, but basically it, it's pretty common um, in the research to say that we make an estimated, are you ready? I'm going to drum roll on my desk. 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000. 35,000. I think I make that many just deciding what to wear in the morning, but uh, 35,000. So you go from 3,000 when you're a kid and to 35,000 as your brain has developed, hopefully, and you're able to make decisions better. So everything from the big ones, is this guy right for me? Should I take that job? Uh, you still might be wondering if they'll notice if you take the last French fry. Um, you know, do these pants make my butt look big? To even you know, you're just your daily, when you're prioritizing in your day, oh, what should I do first? Which thing? Uh, all of that are decisions. Um, even when you're deciding which shoe to put on, if you don't do it the same way every day. And as you know, I talk a lot about habits and habits are great because they take away this decision making. And the more that you can do that, the more you have things streamlined and have less decisions, the better off you are because the more willpower you'll have. Uh, Now, by the way, according to researchers at Cornell, about 225 of your daily choices are just about food. Yeah. Well, I'm a Jew from New York, so I think that that number didn't include us because I think the number would be more like a thousand decisions a day about food, but, but I digress as I often do. So as you're doing all these decisions and thinking through, it really starts to wear your willpower. I talk about willpower a lot. I'm just going to briefly mention it again here. So when you do something and it's automatic, it's very different. It doesn't wear down the willpower. So if you, you know, a lot of famous people, uh, in different kinds of uh, jobs, wear the same thing every day, for example. And not just famous people do this, other people do it too, but there's people we can point to. So Mark Zuckerberg very famously wears kind of the jeans, gray sweatshirt, and a hoodie. Um, but a lot of uh, clothing designers wear the same things every day. I've talked about this before. Uh, Vera Wang, Donna Karen, Michael Kors, kind of all famous for wearing the same thing every day. They have kind of a uniform they wear. And uh, it's not uncommon for design. You know, you think clothing designers, wow, they have all these different things to wear and all that. They actually tend to use the creativity and all that energy for creating, not for what they put on their own bodies in the morning. It's, it's an interesting thing. So uh, all that, you know, taking away any decision is really helpful. When I get up to work out in the mornings, as a lot of you know, I kind of get up 
uh, Monday through Friday. I set the alarm for 420 because I find that amusing. And uh, people do or don't know I'm a drug and alcohol specialist. Um, <laughs> so 420 is kind of funny. But anyway, and I, I get out to the gym every morning. I don't decide to go to the gym every morning. I just go. It's a habit. I don't think about it. it. When I put in my contact lenses, I always put in the left one first. So I'm not deciding every day how to put in my contacts. It's a habit. I just put in the left and then I put in the right. It's a habit. I do it the same way every single day. So when you have those kind of habits like that, I, if you eat the same breakfast over and over, if you, you know, only have two choices for lunch, whatever it is, you, you make your life easier. You take away so many of these decisions. So because we have so many decisions, it, it's really no wonder that sometimes we just get overwhelmed and can't make one, right? I, think about it. It's, is it a crime that every now and then, maybe more now and then, that you just shut down, feel overwhelmed, and don't want to make a choice? Sometimes you get stuck in complete avoidance or what we call analysis paralysis. You just have so much going on that you you don't care. And I had a great example where uh, not that long ago I was at Bed Bath and Beyond, and uh, as I as I like to go to, and there I hear this woman saying, uh, Harry, I hear her yelling, Harry, green swirls or plain? Green swirls or plain? Right? I hear her yelling this and I'm, I'm kind of looking around. And of course, my, my son was with me and he goes, oh God, you're going to go see who that is, aren't you? I said, I have to. Like, what's going on? What is that? Because she was saying it over and over again. Harry, Harry. She kept saying his name. And I, I peek around the corner. I'm in the like dishware section and I peek around the corner and there's a woman standing there with these cups and one has a green swirl on it and one is just plain. And there's a man standing there. They look like they were in their 60s, I want to say. I'm so bad with age, but I think they look like they're in the 60s. So I'm going to imagine or assume that they've probably been together a long time. And poor Harry was trying so hard not to answer and she's going back and forth. Green swirls or no? Green swirls or no? Or plain? She's saying it over and over. Harry was just, I think they both were stuck in analysis paralysis, but Harry was just hoping that she would stop asking. Uh, I could just see it in his head. He was screaming, I don't know. I don't care. Stop asking me questions. <laughs> but on the outside, you know, he was just shutting down. And he kept saying things like, whatever you want is fine. You know, whatever, just get whatever you think is better. He kept doing that. And she was getting really frustrated and annoyed. She said, well, tell me what you like better. You know, which one? You must like one of them better. And he was standing there. He goes, I don't, you know, it does not that important to me. I'm sure it is to you. Just pick one. And And she got into a little tirade. She said, you know, I always have to make all the decisions. I'd like your opinion just once, just, you know, one time to tell me what you think. And... They were back and forth, and he actually, uh, I finally, my son was tugging on me going, we have to go. I couldn't stay for the entire conversation. (laughs) I'm not sure how it ended, but my guess is Harry did what he always does and got out of it by just not answering, just ignoring the whole thing and continuing to to check out and that she made the decision. But this happens a lot with couples that I speak to where they'll come in and he or she is angry, you know, whoever it is, because the other person, they feel like they make all the decisions. They feel like they're the one kind of holding all the pieces and the other person just won't really give their opinion or won't really get in the conversation or they'll sort of give their opinion and they might, you know, about something. And then, the other partner will will say, well, 
I want to, you know, so maybe what do you want for dinner? And their partner will say, I don't know. I don't care. And they'll say, well, come on, something. What do you want? What are you thinking of? And they'll go back and forth. And finally, the other partner will say, well, I don't know. How about Chinese food? And then the first person who's asking the question says, well, well, I'm not really in the mood for Chinese, you know? And then the, the partner will go, well, why did you ask? Why are you asking me if you already know what you want? And I know this sounds familiar. It sounds like I've been in your home, doesn't it? I haven't. So, or maybe I have, you don't know. Uh, but this happens a lot. And it's, and the issue isn't, you know, that you're supposed to give a suggestion and the other person is just supposed to go, sure, okay, great. Any suggestion is good. It's more that there's a dialogue. This person is, you know, asking, where do you want to go for dinner? Give me some more than one idea. You know, give me a few. Let's talk it through. Let's, let's think of a few things. And let's come to something together versus one person feeling like they hold all the, all the pieces. So, but let's get back to <laughs> uh, examining the why. You know, why do you get stuck in analysis paralysis or just complete avoidance? And really, what can you do to change your ways? That's really why you're listening today. So I just want to start with first examining the why. And I did want to mention that, I don't know if you know this, did you know that Americans spend more time shopping than any other society in the world? Yeah. Now, my, my man would argue that he doesn't shop, he buys. This is really funny. He says this to me all the time. He, he, he'll tell me, he said, you know, women can tend to shop and men buy. It's sort of like how men, he says, don't wear outfits, you know, men wear clothes <laughs> and women put together outfits. So he, he feels like there's a, there's a cultural difference here. Um, and he might be right. I don't know. But Americans do spend more time shopping than any other society in the world. And unbelievably, get this, there are more shopping centers than high schools in the United States. Now, I know a lot of these shopping centers are closing with Amazon and everything else, but as, you know, as of the research about a year and a half ago, that's where you got it. And this is why I learned more about decision-making in business school than I did all the years in PhD school. It's because there's a ton of research out there figuring out why you'd buy choice A over choice B, because that's where the money is. That's where the money goes. So they're, they're very into figuring that out. There's actually... Um, a lot of research that points to if the fact that if we have too many choices, it actually gets demotivating. There's a really famous JAM study. It's called the JAM study that it demonstrates this really well. Basically, uh, researchers set up in a gourmet food store. And on one day of the study, they offer six types of JAM. And on another day, they offer 24 types of JAM. And what they found is that the 24 jam option got more people to come to the table than the six jam option. So more people, you know, 24 were out there. People would come over. It was very interesting to look at. However, when they went to the 24 jam table or the six jam table, so depending on, it didn't matter, people tasted the same number of jams. So whether, although more people went to the 24 jam table, they still tasted the same amount. And what's really interesting, though, is that when it came to buying, there was a big difference. In the end, so 30% of people who went to the six jam table actually bought a jar. So 30% who went to the, to the table that had six types of jam bought a jar. But the people that went to the 24 jam table, only 3% of those bought anything. 3%. So they were basically one-tenth as likely to buy when there were more choices. And 
There have been other studies supporting these results. Some have shown that increases in the variety of snacks offered at convenience stores results in decreased sales and customer satisfaction. How do you like that? We're less happy when there's too much. It's also relatively well known that as the number of retirement investment options increases, the chances that employees will choose any decreases. It all, there's tons of stuff like this. It all speaks to the more choices equals demotivation theory, and that's been out there for a while. The researchers believe that when there's a bigger array of choices, people translate that as having to put in more work. And and we don't want to do that. We don't want to put in more work. So instead of putting in that extra effort, we decide not to decide. And in these cases, we don't buy the product or get the retirement account or whatever. So, and even with all this evidence. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even with all this out there, there have also been studies showing that lots of choices are not the problem, and that it's actually the circumstances and complexity that make the difference. And there's a author, uh, Tom Harford, in his he had an article in the Financial Times, and he points out that Starbucks has 87,000 drink combinations, and their business continues to boom. So from a personal standpoint, I can tell you that the multitude of choices at Nordstrom's has not deterred me one little bit, <laughs> but for some people it does. So again, it's the circumstances and the complexity that make the difference. So if you're, if I'm someone who really likes to shop for clothing, I know the different designers, I know what I like, I know what fits, you know, cause I've been doing it so long. But if you're someone who doesn't shop, who doesn't, I have a, a really one of my best, dearest, closest friends, Suzette. Hi, Suzette. She hates to shop, hates it, hates it. And so she's not good at it. She, she's not good at it. You know, it's, it's a skill like anything else. So the circumstances and the complexity, it becomes more complex when there's so much out there and you're not sure what looks good on you. You're not sure what you, what you like even, or maybe you only like one thing because you don't go shopping very much. So you feel uh, overwhelmed when it's not there, um, this one thing that you like. So basically, so in some instances we find out that too many choices turn us off. In other instances, we find that it's the circumstances and complexity that make the difference. So what's the deal? Are choices the issue or is it the complexity? And again, here's what I think. It's a combination. I think everyone's right because I'm a Libra, but you know, so sue me. But anyway, I think it all comes down to, which I've said before over and over, is your emotional bandwidth. Meaning how much of it do you have and how much do you have left today? I would say that if you're feeling at the edge already, having lots of choices sucks. If it's the end of a long day and you've got nothing left in the tank, then lots of choices feel overwhelming. That would go to the circumstances issue, right? Um, and they feel exhausting. 
But there are other times when all those choices feel great. It it's really depends. And so, and you know this, if you think about uh, shopping, let's take that because I love to do it. <laughs> let's say clothing shopping. And you spend an hour at, <clears throat> or two hours at Macy's or Nordstrom's. Think about how you feel at the end of that. Let's just say an hour, an hour of steady shopping, looking at all the clothes, maybe in two different stores, right? Now compare that to an hour of going for a hike in the woods. And you'll, if you think about which one would drain you more, you'll be clear that it would be the shopping that would drain you more. Because again, there's so many more decisions to be made and there's so much more complexity. When you're out in nature going for a hike, there's not a lot of decisions and there's not a lot of complexity. It just is what it is. That's sort of the whole point of doing that kind of thing. So if you think about even when you first go to stores, you know, to shop, (laughs) Uh, it's exciting. Like for me, let's say that first round in the dressing room is, you know, full of possibilities and hope and my butt looks awesome and some and everything. And <laughs> however, as I move from store to store or floor to floor, I can find my energy lagging. The fun has started to leave the building and you got to find your second win. I go get some lunch or, you know, caffeine or sugar, or whatever, uh, drop all those first round heavy bags in the car, have a little rest. And then I'm, I'm ready. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to, to go hit it again. But <laughs> That's not a lot of people, again, because I'm a shopping ninja, a lot of people feel exhausted just after that first round and don't get a second, you know, wind. And, but you, but either way, even if, you know, you're somebody who doesn't like shopping, you don't start out exhausted and you only become exhausted as it goes on and on. It's, you know, again, these, this need to make decisions and critical choices, you're spending money, maybe you're worried about that, maybe you don't have, you know, going over your budget, maybe you didn't have a budget. Uh, this, these critical choices and all these decisions have been increasing as you've been shopping and your emotional bandwidth has been decreasing along with it. So it's not just the amount of time that, that does this. So it's, it's, it's not time, it's how long, you know, it, uh, not, sorry, not how long and not time, but, but how much you can do. So if, if I'm in pain, let's say my back hurts and I'm worried about my aging mother in Florida, um, and I go shopping I'm not going to be as there and together and have as much energy as another day when I feel great and I don't have any worries. If I feel rushed, if I don't have money, if I whatever, any of these things will all impact because they're tugging on my emotional bandwidth. When you're faced with too many decisions or with any complex decision and your emotional bandwidth is low, you get overwhelmed and you end up making no decisions more often. Now, this goes one of two ways that I see. The first is that some of you get into analysis paralysis, which we've talked about, where you get stuck analyzing a situation or options over and over, but ultimately you don't make any decision. You make nothing. The second is that you make no decision by using some form of avoidance or distraction. So maybe you play video games, go on social media, eat some food, alcohol or drugs are good distractions. Regardless of whether you get into analysis paralysis or just complete avoidance, you know, all roads lead to Rome and you end up making no decision, which of course is a decision, right? As decision points come up in your relationship, you consistently end up being the one maybe making no decisions, or maybe you're listening to this going, that's my partner. He or she never makes decisions. You end up in a pattern where your partners who, you know, if you're the one making no decisions, you end up in this pattern where your partner's habitually making all the decisions or taking all the initiative while you seem passive and stuck. This creates resentment on both sides of the coin. You're sick of being bossed around and controlled, and your partner is sick of doing all the heavy lifting. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. So 
and again, maybe that's flipped. Maybe you're listening to this and thinking you're the one doing the heavy lifting and, you know, the other person's the one not making decisions. But either way, there's this paralysis, there's this stuckness. So, you know, how do you get out of this unhealthy cycle? So I've done, as usual, a ton of research on this and I've come up with, it's deceptively simple, not always easy, but deceptively simple. It's a five-step process to move you from stuck to decided. Okay, so it's a five-step process to move you from stuck to decided. Now, the first step in the process is to ask yourself a question. You've got to think to yourself, am I practicing due diligence or am I stuck in analysis paralysis? Due diligence is a good thing. That's great. It means you're checking things out. You're making sure you understand your options and possible outcomes or consequences. But analysis paralysis sucks. You have to be real with yourself here and think of your options and make a list, let's say, of up to 10 options that are possible in this situation. But that's it, okay? 10 options. Like, so, so put them out there. Again, this is the due diligence part. All right, here's what I'm thinking. And up to 10. If it's less than 10, that's great, but no more than 10 for sure. And do that first. So you're going to ask the question first. That's your first part in the five-step process. Step number two is you're going to pick your top three. Now you're going to pick the top three choices. If there are only two, that's great. The less, the better. I don't, I don't care. But top, top three, let's say. And for each choice, I want you to take a piece of paper and put the top three choices along the top. And then for each one, I want you to make a pros and cons list. Do it in writing. Take a hard look and see what seems like the best or healthiest option given what you've written. You know, look it over have your three. And really this takes, I've done this and it takes about 20 minutes. So I'm just, I'm going to just give you the straight up, the straight up skinny. It takes about 20 minutes. Um, it's about five minutes for each thing. So more or less. So, you know, take a minute and really take a hard look and what's your best or healthiest option given what you've written. Step number three, you got to choose a date. Next, you're going to pick a time or an exact date when you'll make your decision no matter what. (laughs) Yeah, something better might come along later. It might be the wrong decision. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It doesn't matter. Just choose right or wrong. Set a specific time when you'll make your choice. And I highly recommend actually putting this in your schedule on the date time you selected so you can't forget. I also recommend doing it as early in the day as possible. This is the eat the frog thing where uh, Brian Tracy made this famous, well, Mark Twain actually wrote the quote, but um, (laughs) Brian Tracy made it famous. And it's a great thing to do. And we call it eat the frog. Basically, you're doing the hardest thing first, so it gets done, and you don't have all day to talk yourself out of it. So that's really why I work out first thing in the morning. I'm eating the frog. I'm just, I get it done. I don't think about it. If I have three phone calls to make when I get to work, and there's somebody I really don't want to talk to, I, I call that person first. I get it done. Get her done. I eat the frog. So we're in our five-step process to move from stuck to decided. The first thing you do is ask a question. Are you practicing due diligence or are you stuck? And you list out 10 options. Number two is you pick your top three. And then you write a pros and cons list for each one. Number three is you choose a date or time that you're going to make the decision no matter what. And step four, as you might imagine, is to decide. The date is set, and now you have to decide what you're going to do for real. What action or actions are you going to take to put the plan or decision into motion? And this is like a muscle. The more you do it, the better and less scary it all gets. It takes practice to feel good about making decisions. It's a skill. 
It's a skill. So to get better at it, you have to practice it. And the more you do it, the better you'll get. I don't know how else to say that. So in the beginning, you're going to make choices and decisions. Oh, it was the wrong one. Oh, I screwed up. Too bad. Put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants, get over it, move on. It's okay. It's okay. Unless you're a brain surgeon and you made the wrong choice and you just killed somebody or made them, you know, paralyzed or something. It's it's all redoable. You can figure it out. But to again, getting stuck in that just doesn't work. And then five, step five, as you might imagine, is to take one action. And re- and in reality, you know, until you take an action, you haven't truly made a decision. So Deciding is great, but it's the action that makes it a decision. And you need to take now one step, no matter how small, and you have to, you know, for better lack of a better word, manifest the decision in the world. The action needs to take place in the date time that you identified in step three. Got to do it right then. You know, be like a Nike ad and just do it. Stop thinking and do it. So whatever that is, no matter how small, take an action. And again, it does not have to be a big grand gesture. So no matter what, you got to remember that in the end, it's better to go down even in flames with the decision you made than to let your decisions get made for you. And, th- and this is how you get out of it. This is how you move from stuck in analysis paralysis to actually making a choice. And you can do this all in the same day, by the way. You know, when you're choosing a date or time, you can choose a time later in the day. You can write all this stuff down and then choose a time, you know, say, okay, I'm doing this all in the morning at eight o'clock. And by five o'clock, at five o'clock tonight, I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to decide and I'm going to take one action today. I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to, you know, uh, write something down. I'm going to go for a jog. I don't know, whatever your thing was that you were paralyzed about, but you're going to take one action. Okay. That's it for today. Today was hopefully a relatively short one for you. Uh, this was the five-step process to making decisions and getting out of, an, out of analysis paralysis. And as always, if you have any questions, I'd love to hear them. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. If you have uh, ideas for upcoming um, podcasts or blogs or anything, I'd love to hear them and you know, things that you want to hear about. Um, and in the meantime, you can download my communications crash course for couples. Uh, I'll have that uh, link for that in the show notes for you. And that's it. Thanks so much for joining me today. It was great spending time with you. And I'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.